This is the Juggernaut Interviews, and I'm Sinkha Soor. In this series, I'm talking to South Asian founders who have gone out and raised funding at different stages of their journey. I'm a founder who's raised venture capital myself, so I know the questions to ask and answer. I started The Juggernaut, a media company that tells South Asian stories because I was tired of reading the occasional news stories about us. I wanted there to be more, and not just about the usual suspects. So what you'll hear on this show is exactly that, founders who are not the usual suspects. Today's episode is with Sidra Kassim, co-founder and COO of Adams. I could not think of a better guest to end our season. Sidra does not fit any existing patterns. In fact, she has been challenging stereotypes way before she became an entrepreneur. She was born and raised in Okara, in Punjab, Pakistan, in a household and neighborhood where she felt women were only expected to care about marriage. But Sidra never conformed. Since she was a toddler, she questioned the unequal treatment of girls, and one story about bananas will leave you in splits. She ended up meeting her business partner and husband, Wakas Ali, because he was her aunt's student. The two eventually moved to Lahore and launched a company to make the best leather shoes. They struggled to make a profit until they set up a Kickstarter campaign, which far exceeded their expectations. In 2015, Sidra and Wakas moved to San Francisco for Y Combinator, becoming the first team from Pakistan the Accelerator had funded. But they had a rough demo day. No investors bet on them. It would take several years before Sidra and Wakas would reinvent their product to launch Adams, everyday sneakers that aim to be the most comfortable pair of shoes you have. The company has raised over $8 million to date, has partnered with the likes of Queer Eyes Tan France, and even started hosting art exhibits. Sidra, who has become a Humans of New York viral sensation, shared how Adams not only survived but thrived during the pandemic, selling thousands of masks. She also shared her honest thoughts on the loneliness of being a founder, and for the first time in an interview when we recorded, the challenge of postpartum depression after her first child. I'm Stigda, and here's my conversation with Sidra. So, Sidra, I was so looking forward to this conversation because we've talked in so many informal capacities before in Clubhouse, and now I can ask you questions directly instead of just talking in a more general group. So I'm so excited to talk to you today. Absolutely. So let's start with you first. So your story on Humans of New York went viral. Do you share your story of growing up in Pakistan? You spoke about how you grew up with, you know, average grades and had a teacher for a mother Yet there was a culture that women were supposed to, you know, only care about marriage. When did you realize you were different and had different beliefs from your family? I have been reflecting on this, how these type of ideas came inside my brain. And then I spoke with my mother. I said, like, do you remember any memory where uh, you remember I was talking about like some of this stuff, like especially uh, related with gender, where I question the norms for the first time? And she shared this story with me, which I, of course, I don't remember, but she shared that I was like three or four years old. And like every middle class family, we also uh, had uh, less resources. At the time, we were five uh, siblings and my younger brother was not born yet. My mother said that she bought six bananas and then she gave one to each and then she gave two to my brother. She said, no, I, I, I looked at you and I said, everyone is eating. Why you don't start eating? And then she, she said, I said to you something like this. I said, he is the only brother. So he, that's why he's, he's, he's eating too. And then you responded that if he is the only one, then he should 
only eat one. And since we four are more, so we should eat more. So that's the memory like she shared with me. And I was like, oh, God, I don't remember how it started. But maybe like I started picking this up, maybe from my uh, father and mother dynamic. Uh, my mother and father both are teacher and their day job was something like this. They were going uh, to school at eight and they were coming back at 2 p.m. And whenever my mother, she she comes back, she was cooking food for everyone. She was cleaning house and all of that. She would quickly change her clothes and start working in, in the house. And my father, he would change his clothes and will start taking rest. And when I built that confidence inside me where I can go and question my parents, I had this conversation with my mother. I don't know why why Abu is not contributing in the house. Like you, you are doing the same job and then he is doing the same job. Why he's taking more rest than you? And then my mother said like, you know, I was not being able to answer any of those of your question and started, I started becoming very worried for you that if you will, go outside with those ideologies. You are never going to get married. You will always be in trouble. So she said, like, I started pushing you not to think in that direction. And but it didn't work out. How old were you when the banana story happened? And how old were you when you started asking your mom about the I, I, family work dynamic? Yeah, I think the banana story happened. I think I was like three or four years old. And then this story, uh, my father and mother dynamic happened when I was like in ninth or 10th grade. And you were the eldest child. I'm number number two. My my elder sister, she is she's very calm. She's a lot more like, you know, very obedient. And so I was the trouble making. So you co-founded Adams with your husband, Vokas, and you first met when he was your aunt's student. Tell us about how you knew that there was a friendship. And then when did you first realize that there could be something more? Hmm. Actually, the first time we got connected and I shared in my story was when he gave novel to my aunt. And that was my first interaction with him. And then later on, I gave him novel and we started reading that together. When we started reading books together, then I actually got to understand him more. Like I I was able to understand that, oh, he has similar ideologies. Like he has a perspective where he's not looking inside the boundary, but he is looking outside. And we were able to like connect on so many things. Uh, I think that was the point where I realized, oh, there is someone who can understand that I'm not crazy. Like the things which I'm talking about make sense. And I realized that I was like, because I was receiving so much pushback from my environment, I was not very open with people. Like I, I remember like he had to work so much in order to like talk to me. <laughs> like he, he used to bring chocolates and I would, I was trying not him to like, you know, be involved with me in any way. So I was refusing and he, it was like kind of like a, a lot of effort from his side. Uh, when he moved from my city and he uh, he moved to Lahore, which is a bigger city for his uh, for his studies, he sent me a random email and where he he kind of like sent a poem, which was a romantic poem. And I deleted that account. So I knew that he was interested. And I'm not sure if I ever mentioned to him this even to this date. I, it just like came into my mind. And I talked to one of my friend about that. And I said, like, I don't know what's what's up with him. Why is he sending me these poems? I'm like very uncomfortable. And um, then later on, when we got connected, when we started working together, I realized that if we are going to build this partnership on a personal level beyond business, we, we can add so much to each other's life. So that that was the point. But I, I took so much time, like it's, I think, three or four years, uh, even I knew that he was interested. 
I remember this line from that Honey interview that stayed with me where he told you, Sidra, if you work with me, this business will be taken seriously. <laughs> How do you both compliment each other? Like who is doing what in Adams? You know, normally if you see in uh, Pakistan and India culture, uh, women it was not easy to step out from your normal circle. I was from a teaching family, so I wanted to do business. It was not a normal move and mostly like your families don't support those type of ideas. Uh so he thought that if uh, there will be a woman people will think oh so their parents have allowed you know they will take start taking it more seriously but i think i i think it was beyond that too i think he was personally interested too which you know snigda you are able to pick up so i don't want to like uh step away from that but uh the other thing on uh, like how we actually complement each other vakas he is more like he lives in a more like cloud or idea kind of stage guy and he brings so much energy and so much positivity into into anything and he's very courageous as well i have the ability to break down that idea into smaller action points and i can go and make it happen so that's where i think we complement each other a lot and that's that's has been the secret of you know this partnership i'm going to start talking about those steps in a second in adams but i first want to pause in One of your first iterations, V0, let's call it, of the business was you found a shoe manufacturer and then you went and learned the business step by step and you both worked together to make it an even better shoe. And this was the idea that got you into Y Combinator. Here's where I want to pause because people think that once you get to, into Y Combinator, you know, the challenges are over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right. And so from one YC founder to another, you started talking, well, we did demo day and then there were no investors. Tell me about that because, you know, so much about your life I feel is such a story of resilience. And so tell me about that moment specifically where you get into this elite incubator, you present at demo day, the biggest investors are there and then it's like crickets. What went through <laughs> right. you and what Gossi said? Oh god it was uh, I think a big heartbreak I must say I I remember on those moments we used to imagine okay if we will go back where we will stay in Lahore or in our <laughs> small town back to like Ukara me and Vakas who were coming from small town and then we were able to like get into a bigger town where dynamic was very different and actually Ukara and Lahore the difference is huge and then we we entered into San Francisco and in technology incubator it was a big delta our confidence was shaken during the entire time period we were in YC the reason there were like two reasons one is like we felt so out of place from an identity perspective like we don't know the language we don't know the culture we don't have enough network those were the things that were going through in our mind at that time and we were questioning a lot i think again as you mentioned that we are resilient and you are absolutely right i think that actually really helped us I remember the entire time we were in in Y Combinator we were very very stressed people were celebrating us in a way you know who were Pakistani or first Pakistani company entered into YC they were celebrating and whenever we we were meeting with them we were trying to be you know celebrative and and also be very happy with them but actually inside us we knew that how much pressure it was adding sometime you know when people celebrate you uh, somehow like it it become a pressure and i don't know why but I, i'm trying to like figure out that dynamic even now but that that's how we felt at that time 
So we were not being able to raise any funding after actually at the demo day. But after like six months, when we worked on our company a lot more, we were able to like talk and meet with other people. We raised half a million dollar for uh, our previous company. And actually being in YC, I think one thing it did was we were able to think deeply about our business. And that pressure helped us to build Atoms. Just to be clear, the first idea you went into YC with was this really beautiful high-end leather shoe that you were manufacturing in Pakistan and selling internationally. And then there's this insight that you all had, which is, wait a second, we're in SF. There was this move towards casual shoes. Right. And so Adams got resurrected from that base idea and you guys went back to the beginning. So what did that back to the beginning look like? The very scary part of the story was uh, we were running out of money. We had three months to stay in the U.S. because our visa was going to expire. So, you know, normally when uh, people like us who comes to the U.S. and get through this type of program, we get like one visa, which is basically through your own startup. So if your startup is not succeeding and, and there is a risk that it will shut down, then you can't stay in the country. You have to go back. So that was a huge pressure on, on our mind. I remember in, in those last days, we met with Paul Graham, and actually the, that meeting was super helpful. We still remember that. So he was the first one who said, okay, you know, your business is not making progress. Why don't you go and talk to your customer? Our English was not good, and he was asking us to go and talk to your customer. And then Vakas and I, we went to Stanford Mall. We visited different other sneaker companies at that time. And we started looking into, like, what is the future of sneaker? Uh, when we started talking to people, people started talking about these type of things. They said, uh, we are looking for shoes which we can wear all day. We are looking for shoes where we don't need to tie and tie our shoelaces. We are looking for shoes which does not smell. So I think those type of things uh, really help us think about how we need to think about creating a product for every day. And this is the thing which Vakas and I had, like the idea of going back to our basic. When we were even working on our previous shoe company, the idea of making ideal everyday shoes was always in our mind. We were looking at leather dress shoes from this point of view of like how this can become part of people's everyday life. Now, the thing was, uh, we never lived in this culture. We had no idea. People are not wearing leather dress shoes when they are now working uh, because we, we saw we saw that either in Hollywood movies or we saw that in Pakistan. Like normally when you are going to office, you are like super dressed up. So I think that that was a turning point. And then we started writing about this on a Google Doc. And we did the Google Doc actually title was Ideal Everyday Shoes. And we had no idea how we're going to make that shoes. It was just like putting all the ideas over there. We both were actually reading a lot of books and old press release from Sony, Apple, Tesla, and we were making our notes. And uh, many times we were like going back and forth discussing some of those points, which we felt that inherently we thought about building our product and company on. Vakas was working on thinking about the business building blocks. And I, I started working on the product because I felt that I had a lot more expertise in order to like go and work on the product. So so that's how like we, we, we both worked on, but we both worked very, very closely. Like those were like two people. It was so easy for us to communicate about each and every point. And I miss those moments uh, sometime when we have our team because sometimes communication become really hard. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not just the two of you anymore. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, what happens when you and Vakas disagree? Initially, we were really, really bad at disagreeing. 
I, I can tell you like that actually was so stressful in our initial days. And actually, we both did not realize that we are in a different environment. We are solving a different problem and we are also growing and we are changing. Acknowledgement of that change was very, very important for both of us. And we realized it quite later. Like in start, there were so many disagreements and we were not very good handling that those disagreements. We, we felt a lot of stress, like we wanted both of us to be on the same page. And, and I think um, many times uh, it becomes difficult because building companies is very emotional. And especially when you are working on fixing the details, small, 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 small detail, and you care about those details, it becomes very personal and emotional. But I think uh, quickly, like uh, we, we found that, okay, this is not how it's going to work. And we went into executive coaching, which really, really helped us. And uh, one of our investor, Atif Evan, actually he's on our board as well. We we were talking about these things with, with him and he said, you know, I think you guys need to like start uh, taking coaching. So we have amazing coaches. They are in their 80s and both our husband and wife, they are a couple. And they have been working with us for last two years. And that has been a huge, huge help because we were able to identify that we both are growing. We are not like same Sidra and Vakas who were, let's say, in 2005 when we met. And we met very early on, like we were teenager. And now we are in, in our, you know, 30s. Is there like a generalizable principle you, you walked away with? You know, it seems like one of them is, you know, we're not the same people anymore. The one thing which I we, we realized was we are two different people. We cannot make decisions on the base of, uh, oh, I know Vakas completely. Like, I know, I understand him. Uh, or Vakas says, like, I know Sidra. Like, we are a moving target. We are growing. We are changing. There are something new we are learning. I think that was a very big uh, uh, revelation for us. Like, hey, we are two different people. We are not same. And then uh, the other thing which I think was very, very helpful was everyone has their own weaknesses and they have their strengths. So how we can build something on our strength and then weaknesses that we are not good at, if we want to work on, let's work on. But like also have this acknowledgement that, yes, we have these weaknesses, I think was huge for both of us. And, and that really helped. During the pandemic, you talked a lot about people were not buying more shoes. Sales had slowed. And you secretly went, Sidra, and created a completely new product, Masks, and built up the supply chain and just launched it. So tell us, how did you actually do that? And of course, you don't have to reveal any confidential things, but more the process of how you said, well, you know what, this is what I want to do differently. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm assuming because you're the product person, you did it from start to finish. So, hmm. so tell us more about that. So uh, when we were entering into pandemic, actually a major event happened in our business. We had a layoff in start of 2020. Interesting uh, environment inside the company was going on. I would say like a lot of like, hey, let's be very careful where we want to invest our time and resources, that type of environment. So bringing this type of idea when your company is like just launched, like we were six months old as a company, was extremely scary for everyone in the, in the team. Like I remember I shared a Slack message about this and the immediate response from everyone was, hey, stop. Don't even think about this because we just had a layoff and we you said that we need to optimize our resources and time. You you said that as a founder, as someone who was working on operations, and now you are bringing this idea. So it does not make any sense. 
one very interesting thing happened was our team is in Korea. So Korea, uh, they were like first kind of like respondent country uh, to the pandemic. So they introduced a lot of uh, system, especially they introduced this idea of you should start wearing masks. So our team was coming into meeting wearing masks. And since I was leading the product, so they were reporting to me, I was seeing them wearing masks uh, when they were sitting in the factory. So I, I started picking up, okay, like there is something to it. Uh, the good thing was like people were sharing the reports of like how this pandemic is changing, like this, how this virus is changing, all of those things like really quickly. I shared this idea in our board meeting and luckily like both Alexis and Atif, they both supported the idea. And then Alexis said, oh, this is an interesting idea. Uh, I will support, you know, I understand that you guys don't have enough money, but I can uh, support you with $10,000 and you can go and experiment with this project. And if it becomes successful, then it's fine. If it does not, I think that was huge. I always think that whenever you come up with something crazy, you actually need one support. It's so important. Like, you know, my, my partner has hard time understanding about this idea. My team has hard time understanding this idea. At least I have this one support and the person is willing to even, even, you know, help invest. That was a big shift. And then from there, I moved so quickly in 20 days, we developed the material. We work on the product. We set up the supply chain. Luckily, we met with a woman who was selling her machines in China and her business was on on hold uh, because of pandemic. So she set up this whole entire system for us and we were able to move fast. And the day we launched, actually, we sold 60,000 masks right away. I think the biggest learning for me was, again, like, be courageous. Like, if you believe, I always, like, ask my team that even if I disagree and you you want to do something and you ha you feel that your gut feeling is telling you to do something, just fight with me. Like, <laughs> you know, you, I, I would love that passion. Thanks so much, Sidra, for sharing that story. I love that. It's so inspiring. How did you convince your team? I just worked with one or two people and I did not talk to anyone <laughs> because, so this is the problem also with me. I don't know if it's a good thing or a, or a bad thing. If I know that I need to do something, I just go and take action. And I think that has been a big strength. It put some people off, but I don't know. Like, I, I think I have been in fight so much <laughs> since I was born. <laughs> I don't care. I feel that heat and negative energy, but actually I have a thick skin. I think I have built that thick skin uh, over the period of time. So I did not care, to be honest. I, I said, like, I, if it's a failed project, there is nothing to lose. There is only like two people's energy and time that we will lose. That's fine. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hold that. I love that. Don't be afraid. Just go for it and just take action if your gut is telling you that. You and Wakas both welcomed a baby together last year on top of yeah. everything. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. How have you guys transitioned into parenthood? This is the most beautiful and wonderful part of our journey. And I think we are completely blessed. Uh, Wakas and I, we had a miscarriage in, in, in 2020. Um, you know, going through that and then thankfully, like, you know, I received this news of conceiving again. We were not planning, but yeah, it happened and we were so happy about that. And then my doctor said, like, this could be another miscarriage. So going through that emotional trauma again, but thankfully came in, coming out of that uh, so beautifully, I think Alif is complete blessing. Like even right now, like building startup is everyone say it's lonely, but actually experiencing that loneliness I don't, I don't think there is, there is a, there is a word where you can explain it. It's so hard. And I think founders are crazy that still they do that. Uh, I, I, I don't understand uh, that part of myself. 
you know, building company is so hard. It takes so much time and effort and energy. So having a child around you who smile, who who actually does a new thing every day is, is, is such a remarkable thing to see. The thing which I have not shared anywhere, which I think I want to share here is uh, right after my delivery, I went into postpartum depression. And that was that was a really, really exhausting for me because we had a small team as a company. So and I, I was doing so many things like I was one person, uh, you know, 10 people team many, many times. Like I was taking care of HR product, production, operations, finance, so many things. Managing all of those things and managing myself was very, very hard. But uh, thankfully, like Vakas was there, uh, there were so many friends who helped me out. And I think listening to other women who went through that really, really helped me. We don't have enough awareness about that, unfortunately. And I want to talk about that, but I am still like, you know, there are some time I feel uh, because my, my doctor said that it will take a year or so to get out of this thing. Sometimes it, for some women, it takes a lot more. That phase was extremely tough for me, um, but I, I think like connecting with other women and having the support of your partner and, and family was, was a big help to get out of it. You also hit on something that I think a lot of founders don't talk about, which is, you know, the public updates you're doing about the company or, you know, the joy you're sharing. There's a lot of sadness or loneliness behind it. And I was talking to another uh, one of my closest founder friends, and she was telling me the only person who can give you the empathy and grace you need sometimes is yourself because you Mm. can't get it from anybody else. Mm. Mm. And so thank you for sharing this, because no matter what's happening on the outside, there's yeah. a lot going on inside and all what one can do is just reach out and be there for each other. Right. And and also, like, I think there is a, like you have to decide when you feel right in order to share that. It's very important. Like, I mean, th- there are still so many things that happen in a day in a founder's life, eh, which is very hard to explain. Like I always say my, my day start like with a high energy and with a very low energy and it goes up and down. And I don't know like how we survive, like, you know, with this energy back and forth with positive and negative energy. Anytime something big happened in my life, I don't know what what is that in the universe. Something big negative also happened at the same time. And I fe- always feel that I'm on a neutral stage. I can't experience the, the joy. I can't experience the negative side of the event. And I always like live in a neutral, neutral form. I'm sure like Snake that it has happened with you too. I have Adam's shoes. I wear them all the time. I also walk a lot. So they have survived my wear and tear. Um, What I love about the Adam's brand is how much it reflects the values of you and Vakas. There's a certain fun, creativity, playfulness. How did you guys make that choice and actually practice that day to day in terms of infusing Adam's with some of yourself? Yeah, I I think for me and Vakas, Atoms is very personal and our work is very personal. And I remember like when we were starting Atoms and we started talking about our feeling and a lot more like how we created the ideation of the product and the brand and all of that. We received some feedback from some of our close friends. They said like, hey, if you want to build a long term brand, don't associate yourself with the brand. And we, we thought like, you know, they knew better because they were coming from, you know, with a lot of experience. So we started doing that for some few months. And I, I remember we felt kind of a gap. Our team is growing. So we are actually 
again, working on our, you know, refining some of our values and operating principle. So one of the uh, operating, one of the values actually we put in that doc, which Vakas and I, we, we thought that is absolutely must and it is, it is in us, is hospitality. Whenever Vakas and I, we invite people at our home or in our office, we even care about like the temperature of the water we give to them because it's so important for us that the person who is coming to us feel uh, welcomed, feel comfortable, feel that someone is taking care of them. And I think, I don't know from where it came, maybe it is part of the culture from where we are, but I think the, that part, when people were going back after meeting us, they were talking about this a lot. They were saying, you guys are very hospitable. You guys take care of us. The way even you guys like bend and tie down my shoes, I never felt that care from someone else. So I think I think like that was huge for us. We want to keep those norms and those value in our brand. Thank you for sharing that. I have struggled with that myself too. Like most people, when they go on the juggernaut, Instagram, they don't even see my name. (laughs) I too was told that if you want to build a longstanding media company, you don't want to be part of it. And then Mm. I've now only been recently receiving feedback that maybe you should do more. And I'm like, okay, I'll think about it. It's just like, you know, a founder can't Mm. do 10 things Mm. at once. So we will figure it out Mm. one day. You'll tell me, I'll get some chai with you and you'll give me some feedback. Uh, Absolutely. um, (laughs) So you count Alexis Ohanian as an investor You've had folks from Serena Williams to Brad Pitt to Alia Bhatt wear your masks. You've collaborated with Tan France on a shoe. So how does Adams and Sidra and Wakas make this happen? Be true to your creation. It's very important. The thing that you want to create, make sure that you add your passion and love. And and I'm not just saying this lightly. It's very, very hard. Like, it's not something that you read about, you know, in business books, it's very important that you put your heart, your passion and love into your 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 product and your, in your creation. I think product actually helped us to do these type of partnership. We did not send our mask to Brad Pitt. We did not send masks to Colin Ka- Kaepernick. We, we did partnership with his organization when we launched our donation program, but we never asked them like, hey, ask Colin to share or wear Adam's mask because that's not how we felt. I don't know, maybe it's a cultural thing. Sometimes I feel like maybe we should we should go and start asking sometime, but I don't know that we, we didn't feel like it was authentic. With uh, Tan France, actually, we did an influencer post with him through an agency. And then that was the one-time event that happened. And then later on, we saw him wearing Atom shoes almost in every post he was sharing. He loved white sneaker. So we reached out to him. We said like, hey, what about like we do some collaboration together? And he said, I would love to because I love Atoms and this is my everyday go-to shoes. There is so much synergy on in terms of like how he thinks about the culture, how he, his personal values, those are like too, so much aligned with, with mine and Vakas value, but also like we want to incorporate in Atoms too. So it felt very, very natural and it happened. Um, Indian celebrities, Alia Bhatt and uh, Ranbir Kapoor, they are wearing Atom's mask. And a few days ago, uh, Alia's Bhatt mother, she has been buying Atom's mask and shoes uh, from Atom's website. Like she bought like six white pairs and 18 masks. So I was like, wow, like this is amazing. I don't know how she learned about Atom's, but this is this is happening. What's next for Atom's? What should we be expecting so we are planning on launching our next edition. So I'm super excited about that. And then there are some exciting collaboration coming up in this year. So you will hear a lot more exciting update from Atoms. And then we launch Atoms Art Gallery. 
in our Brooklyn office. That was like something which Vakas and I, we wanted to do something in Atoms to celebrate work of up and coming artists. The idea of like how we can give back to our community. That's why we launched this whole project of Atoms Art Gallery. Right now, the exhibition with this artist, Arison Lex, is going on. We are planning next exhibition with women artists. Hopefully, we in March, we, we will be launching that. But I think overall, like the way we are thinking about how we can build Atoms as a synonym of creativity and uh, art in New York, that's the goal we, we, we want to have uh, and connect with our community on a, on a meaningful base. Thank you so much, Sidra, for taking all the time. Is there anything I didn't ask that you wanted to talk about today? No, actually, actually, you ask so many good questions. And I think you you also had a very uh, good understanding of of our story. I, I just felt so comfortable, so connected. And I think also the founder's energy is there. So I, I love this conversation. And I would I would love to invite you at our place for chai. Sidra Kasim is the co-founder and COO of Adams. That's it for this season of the Juggernaut Interviews. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this, and share it with someone who you think would love to hear Sidra's story. Natalia Alcantara produced this series. Golda Arthur is our showrunner, and Josh Dang is our sound engineer. Sahil Ansari composed our theme music, and Mina Shoab designed our art. Thanks for listening. 